Welcome to KiteLine, a weekly radio program from WFHB that focuses on issues in the prison system and beyond. Behind the prison walls, a message is called a kite. Whispered words, a note passed hand to hand, a request submitted to the guards for medical care. Illicit or not, sending a kite means trusting that other people will bear it farther along until it reaches its destination. Here on KiteLine, we hope to share these words across the prison walls. Before starting with this week's theme, we wanted to share some prison-related news and announcements. The Washington Post released the findings from an advanced copy of the National Registry of Exonerations study of all known false convictions in the United States since 1989. The findings show that wrongful convictions robbed inmates of over 20,000 years. Over 2,000 exonerees served more than a combined 20,000 years incarcerated. Compensation for the wrongfully convicted has been miserly, with just over $2 billion awarded to them. That amount, the Post points out, is what Americans spend each year to fight indigestion. More than half of the exonerees in the registry's database have never been compensated. African Americans are more likely than whites to be wrongly convicted. They constitute 12% of the general population, but 46% of exonerees. Altogether, they represent 56% of years spent incarcerated. African-American exonerees spend more time in prison before they're cleared and released and receive less compensation upon their release. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution reported that mentally ill women who are charged with low-level misdemeanor crimes, the pettiest of offenses, and are too poor to post the two or $500 required for bail are being kept in isolation for weeks at a time in the South Fulton County Jail in Union City, Georgia. Many of the women are not receiving appropriate medical treatment and are descending into psychotic states, according to the Southern Center for Human Rights. They are all pretrial detainees and are being held inside filthy cells reeking of excrement. The prolonged isolation at the jail is more restrictive than the most extreme solitary confinement in the Georgia State Prison System. The Southern Center for Human Rights alleges that keeping the women locked in solitary 24-7 for weeks at a time and letting them out only to appear in court violates the Constitution. This week, we're sharing the words from a prisoner who contacted us from inside the South Carolina prison system. In addition to his thoughts on the recent national prison strike, of which news still continues to trickle in, he talks to us about what prisoners are experiencing every day. From severe medical neglect, inedible food, and poor treatment by guards, to improper training of corrections officers, lack of support for prisoners facing mental health crises, lack of education opportunities, and much more in terms of dishonest and inhumane treatment that prisoners receive at the hands of prison officials. Speaking from a facility currently on lockdown, he describes a prisoner having a heart attack in a nearby cell and the inattentiveness of guards to the situation. We'll have more insight on the prison strike next week as more word makes its way out to us. We do know that prisoners around the country are facing lockdowns and repression in the wake of the national prison strike, and therefore it's also important to note that the prisoners have been striking for a reason, and that the impacts of the strike are continuing. And as our guest says, those on the inside need people to understand what is happening to them within the prison walls on a daily basis. One of the things that, that I really want to stress is that it's real dangerous down here where we're at because the medical situation is crazy. You know, I'm just going to use myself for an example. <clears throat> I'm a type 2 diabetic. Uh, I don't take insulin. I take the pills. However, they were checking it on the regular, 
every day, twice a day. Then um, I went in for a hernia surgery. It was the same day surgery. When I came back from the surgery, the only thing they prescribed for me was pain medicine, Tylenol 3 with codeine. No dressing changes, no antibiotics, no nothing. So for a whole week and a half, I had to take care of my own, my own wound. So finally, I told him, I said, listen, you know, why is it that you won't allow me to get the dressing change? Well, the, the surgeon has to order it, and if he ordered it, we can't test you. I said, well, that's crazy because it's a whole bunch of stuff going on that I don't know what's going on. Make a long story short, I ended up, get, ended up getting infected. So within a matter of, I'm talking about days, weeks, I started losing weight. I jumped down from 217 pounds to 175. And I'm telling them, could you explain to me why am I losing all this weight? Why is it every time I eat something, it's running through me? No matter what I eat, no matter what I drink, it's running through me. Everything is unexplainable. Well, we're going to set you back up to see the surgeon, da 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 That hasn't happened yet. This is going on three and a half months. <laughs> you know, once again, even though being that we're locked down, they're backed up. A lot of nurses don't quit. A lot of officers don't quit. We're in the unit every day with no officer at night in the unit. So anything is liable to happen. A dude can fall out in the room, black out. Anything can happen. There's no officer available to assist them at night when we're in the room. So being that the unit that I'm in is, quote, unquote, a character unit, they allow us to come out Monday through Friday with the exception when the count clear in the morning until maybe five or six at night. And they just recently just started let us go back to the mess hall, which also is a sad, sad situation because it's filthy in there. And we don't eat in there. We're just going in to get the trays. So the whole system itself is crazy. It's real crazy. I mean, they don't have anything to offer anybody. God's work don't get no state pay. I mean, so if he's released today and they put him off and he's from, say he's from Virginia and they drop him off at the nearest bus depot, he's on his own. <laughs> so if they talk about they don't want the incentive to come back or to be as it was, they're setting the door up for a dude to go out there and do what he feel like he may have to do because they not, they have nothing back here to offer him. The education building is closed. You can't take care of your legal work. None of that can be done, but they then took the education department and brought them to this particular unit and only allowing dudes in this unit to apply for GED. The hell with the rest of the yard. Then we got administrators that are ex-officers. So really, they don't know what they're doing. Classification, they don't know what they're doing. They just took a guy that got stabbed up in one yard the dude just stabbed them up. They put them in the same unit together, and they behind the doors. So when the doors open, guess what happened? They try to kill each other. This was a couple of weeks ago. Who hanging to his life right now because classification made the decision to put these guys in the same housing unit. You know, they say that the cell phones is the problem. No, it's not the cell phones. <laughs> I mean, the cell phones is the key to necessity to do get guys to get to get them the things that they need. And, to allow them the communication that they can get because it doesn't make sense to spend 25 hours on this telecommunication system that they have 
and you only get two phone calls that maybe maybe last 15 minutes. So why spend $25 for two calls when I can spend $30 and talk to you all month, every day, and still get the benefit in it? So, you know, there is some good in it. And there's a lot of crazy stuff that's going on, too, but that's going to happen no matter where you're at. But mainly the problem is the administration. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. Every day our lives is at stake. So civilians are coming in, opening the doors to let their workers go out to work. So for us that are striking, we're not going to the canteen. I mean, <laughs> you know, the kitchen workers, they're going to go to work. But if they didn't go to work, that would make things even better. But for the most part, it's a struggle. It's really a struggle. I mean, but there's a whole lot going on in this, and not just this institution, but it's everywhere. You know, they can put a mask on it anywhere they want to, but these people is behind times. <laughs> I mean, they really behind times, and they really, and you know, and it's sad because now you got the rest of the yard locked down. They may get a shower once a week. And when the food come up, you know what I mean? You don't know what it is on the tray. On Saturday and Sunday, you get two meals a day. They call that brunch. The brunch don't come till like maybe one thirty, two o'clock in the afternoon. So the grits is cold, the eggs is cold, whatever bologna that they might throw on there, two slices of bread and some fruit. That's your brunch <laughs> all day. So if you a diabetic and you're waiting for a meal to come and you don't have nothing in your locker, you're liable to get sick. And sugar drop up and down. Like the day they came for insulin, they didn't get in at 7.30 this morning. Last night, they didn't get in at 8.30. Last night, and from 5 o'clock in the morning or 4.30 in the morning, come on, you know, it's, it's just ridiculous. I mean, what they got going on in the institution. They're not telling this part of the story, but this is what it is. <laughs> I'm telling you an actual fact, so it ain't like... I'm more from personal stuff because I feel some kind of way. But, yeah, I don't have no problem letting me know what I think. You know, I just told the administrators not too long ago, I'm not going to allow you to kill me. You know, what you talking about? You heard me, and I'm not going to allow you to kill me. Y'all doing whatever y'all want to do. You come in here, you try to dictate this, you try to dictate that, and you take, 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 take. But you ain't giving nothing. You don't care. A guy gets sick, he still off a sick call. He may get seen two, three weeks later. I mean, and even if that's the case to see him two, three weeks later, I mean, you defeat the purpose because he's still going to get sick again because he ain't got nothing to cover himself because you don't know how to handle a situation. You got cameras on the unit, but you don't you don't, don't utilize them. Uh, so, you know, you want people to do the work for you. You got to put the work in. You know, give the prisoners an opportunity to have a voice to let them know what's going on, what's wrong. We haven't been outside in months. We've been locked down, I'm talking about, for months. There's something that happened at another prison. Something that happened at another prison. We paying for it. Anytime something happened at another institution, we pay for it. And it's crazy, but they want you to have your visits because your kids are going to spend money. They go out there and buy the food, buy the little stuff out the machines. Boycott the visits. Stop coming up here. I mean, stop spending money. Every time I give you money, I'm giving you the incentive to let you know that it's okay, and it's not okay. But this is the mindset of the individual die because they, they set on that. They're okay with that. I mean, they don't know that the foot is being put on their neck. You got 40, 45 years, and this is how you allow them to treat you? Are you okay with that? This is some of the madness.
trying to be 100 with you and let you know this is exactly what's taking place. And I think the public needs to know that because they don't see that, you know, that the officers come in here, they're ambitious. You take an officer out of uniform and you put them in their street clothes and you give them a new title. You're giving them titles like unit managers, unit counselors, but yet they ain't certified or educated in that area to be qualified for those positions. You put these same officers in charge of, charge of the mental health unit, prime example. I mean, they don't know what to do with these, these dudes as officers, rackers. They bananas. <laughs> and they really going to be like that when them do if them doors open because now they didn't put slots on the doors and they can see them on the inside like they savages. They ain't got to come out that room for nothing with the exception of taking a shower. And that's how they designed this facility, which is a level three yard, you know, for those particular units. But this is the treatment that they're presenting. But yet, you say these people are counselors and they're managers, and they don't know how to deal with these crises when they come down. Mental health is a joke. <laughs> it's a joke. I mean, it's really a joke. The officers that they're calling counselors or they're calling managers are not trained in that area to deal with these crises. Within the last three years, I've seen so many people cut themselves. I mean, cutters. Now, a few years prior to that, we never had that problem because you had an officer that knew how to work and how to condition and deal with these individuals. And the and mental health was participating in the activism in the, in, the, in the institution as far as giving classes. And they don't do none of that now. None of that exists. And for the counselors that work under mental health, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> They sit down, they write down the information, and, okay, they put it in the computer so that the doctor wouldn't doctor come come to talk to you. And then when the doctor comes talk to you, there's an officer sitting right there, so there's no privacy. Amen? So that's another breach in your privacy. So it's a whole bunch of madness going on. But they, they're saying they're trying to make changes. How are you making changes? Are you making the conditions worse than what they are? So, yeah, to be honest with you, no, they're not trained. No, they're not trained. <laughs> oh, especially these officers that they're calling unit managers and unit counselors because they don't have the training for that. They don't have the training to deal with these kinds of individuals in these crises. You know? But yet they put them in these positions, and what they're doing is when they get in these positions, they're still officers. Well, I tell them all the time, just because they took you out of uniform, that don't mean you ain't the police. You still got the key. You still treat everything like an officer. You want to lock it down. You don't want to, you know, assess the situation and make the best outcome. No, you want to lock it down. That's all you know. Lock, 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 lock. So, you know, how can we come to you and ask you for anything when we know how you're going to react? If we want something, we got to have our family donated. What happened to all this money that the state is getting? You ain't paying us, so where the money at? <laughs> Why I got to tell my family to donate something that you're supposed to provide for me? We live here. I mean, you come here and you go home. There's a policy that you have to follow. You tell us to follow it. If we don't, you write us up. So start writing you up. You know? So they figure we don't have access to the law library. They can do whatever they want to do. They used to have a paper trail. You fill out request forms. Now they take to put it on the kiosk. But you might not never get an answer on the kiosk because you call up here to talk to somebody up front 
they don't know who to tell you to go see the director wherever to go. They want to know what you want to talk to them for. That's none of your business. Could you direct me to this number? Matter of fact, who are you? And they hang up, click. <laughs> you know, just trust me, if you call up into the institution and inquire about something, this is the reaction you're going to get because nobody's qualified. So when they removed the previous wardens that we had due to an escape that took, here, took place here, and they brought in a bunch of other officers and trainers for the position of warden and associate warden, they didn't get rid of the rest of the staff, you know, the captains, the majors. They didn't get rid of none of them. Some of them were demoted. Some of them were promoted. One was promoted from captain to associate warden of program, but yet she's running around here trying to do security. <laughs> Ain't doing nothing for the program. Everything is about security. Do what you're supposed to do because they ain't trained. They don't know what they're supposed to be doing. And then for the ones that are supposed to be in control and doing what they want to do, they're allowing the other ones under staff to tell them how to do things. So a lot of officers quit because they didn't want to work under these particular people that stayed behind. So we've been going through hell ever since. Like yesterday was a holiday. We didn't come out the cells because none of the officers came to work. <laughs> Nobody came to work. Whenever there's a holiday, we always lock down because nobody wants to come to work. So they do whatever they want to do. I'm not going to work today. The hell with them prisoners. Black Friday. The hell with them inmates. I mean, they do what they want to do. <laughs> they do everything they want to do. I mean, like finally they decide, okay, we're going to come to work today. So they come to work today and try to pick up from yesterday. You, you can't change what you did. I mean, well, what happened was officers working two, six, seven hours over the shift that they're supposed to work. They quit. Man, I ain't coming back. <laughs> what, man? I'm supposed to have been went home. Huh? Now they threaten them because, you oh, you don't want to come. We're going to do such a man. They, man. Officer, they quit. So we don't have the staff. <laughs> we don't have the staff to run the institution, but we got a bunch of rookies in there, a bunch of captains and majors and lieutenants running around during the course of the day, during the week, I mean, Monday through Friday. On the weekend, nobody can't find nobody. I mean, everybody's gone. <laughs> nobody. So if something happened to you in your cell, you kicking like a dude just had a heart attack uh, yesterday, kicking and screaming on the door. You know, the officer standing out there in the lobby. Finally, she decided to come and say, yeah, I heard y'all screaming. Listen, the man having a heart attack. Get medical down here. Don't you know it took them almost two hours for medical to get here? The dude was practically dead when they pulled him out of here. This was yesterday. <laughs> I mean, we locked behind the door. Huh? Whenever we get an officer that care, they take him out the unit and put somebody in here that don't know what the hell they're doing and don't, or they don't care. Huh? I think one of the things that would really, really be helpful to us is being able to get past that wall that they have up front to prevent the people from coming in to really see what's going on. You know, see, they have a, they have a network, a buddy-buddy system. Uh, like DHAC wants to come in and, you know, they want to investigate or they want to inspect. 
know. They put a wall up and prevent these people from getting in to see what they need to see. You know, the, the, how crazy it is, spiders in the room, kitchen food, roaches, everything. You know I mean? All kind of crazy stuff that the food cart, that the food comes, they, they prevent them from being able to get inside to get to that. If we can get somebody to come inside, really get somebody to come inside, they can see it for themselves. They need to know what's going on. This is crazy. So, you know, outside of what everybody's doing now, promoting and listening to what we're telling them and seeing some of the things through the videos, you know, there's really not much else that you can do besides, you know, press that issue to try to get in there. Because, I mean, all the way from the reception to the inside of the prison. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even talking about the county jails and all that. And I've been back in the, I've been in the system now for the last few years, and it hasn't gotten no better. <laughs> it's gotten worse every year. And parole don't see that. You know, you got guys going up to see parole every two years, you know, and they're being denied over and over and over and over and over for the same recklessness stuff that they violated from the first time. Then you got guys like myself that go up every year. I was just denied earlier this year, and I'm going back up to see him again next year. But there's really no room left in my sentence for them to do too much but either release me or let me finish it, you know, which is be really less than two years, you know. So, and there's nothing, like I said, there's nothing to do in the prison to help you when you do go up to see parole, you know. You know, like I said, when a guy is released after serving his time, when he go home, he ain't got nothing. If he don't have no family, he don't have nothing. If he don't have a network or a support system, he don't have anything. Well, he's left stranded. <laughs> I mean, after serving all that time, and if there's nothing to offer him in the institution, some guys try to make the best out of it, read what they can, get what they can, and have a means to say, you know what the hell, I ain't going back to jail. And they'll, you know, and they'll struggle and they'll struggle and they'll struggle and do it. But for the most part, people ain't trying to hit because they got to eat. <laughs> you know, and people were frowning upon you coming out of the prison system. Oh, you just came home now, nah, man. I ain't got it. You feel me? Like, so, you know, there's not much encouragement for an individual when you're coming out of the prison. I mean, we really need some things to really be happening in here because nothing's happening because nobody knows what to do. Especially from in here, they don't know what to do. You know, they say security issue. How much? How much a security issue can it be? We out the rooms. <laughs> the only difference between this unit and the other units is that we're not busting each other side the head. We're not trying to kill each other. We're trying to come up with a solution to be some sort of can be a better incentive while we in it in this environment that we're in. So the administration do respect that, and they give us some leeway in that. But for the most part, they're not letting us reach out to the other part of the institution. Just, you know, go talk to these guys and yourselves, like, yo, what's on your mind? What's happening? All that is, you know, none of that exists. <laughs> so we need, you know, we need that outlet that we have. But just like I said, there's, there's not but so much that can we begin do back here. You know, some guys are striking. Some guys are boycotting canteen. Some guys are boycotting the kitchen. But for the most part, they don't have, you know, guys got to eat. <laughs> they ain't got no other income. They ain't got no other source of funds coming to them, so they got to eat. <laughs> They're left with nothing else to do but to, to fall down and take it. <laughs> well, I wish there was more that I can add to it as far as, 
you know, what can be done from the outside. But what you're doing is, is I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for it, you know, and it's most definitely needed. You know? but the people have to understand from a prisoner's perspective, this, this is crazy. <laughs> no one deserves to be treated like this. No one. I mean, no one deserves to be treated like this. You go to reception, you might sit in there for four, five, six months before you get to an institution that's locked down. Then you can't do nothing. You can't move. You can't do anything. But you move into an environment that don't have nothing to offer you. You have eligibilities and criteria to get they, they then took all the most of the halfway houses are gone. I mean, uh, all of those things that they had, those kind of those things are gone. <laughs> I mean, so a guy gets you know short, so he can prepare the, the pre-release. He, none of that exists down here. I mean, if it does, there's only a couple of those places, and there's only for certain people. Huh? God spends 15, 20 years. He said these people have an opportunity to get some pre-release, some training, some education, some support. I mean, in direction to what you know. So they say they're gonna bring all that in here, but it's yet to be seen. <laughs> you know, the administration. He got a good mind. He got a good concept, but he's going about it the wrong way. Cause he's listening to the people that don't know what they're doing. You know? So whoever it is this this director of commissioner, he needs to be the feds need to come in here and clean this place out. They need to clean the whole place out. I'm talking about the whole administration. They need to be removed because there's gonna be more bodies, <laughs> more bodies and more bodies. And not just prisoners against prisoners, it's gonna be against the police. Because these dudes don't care about the police. No, dude just broke the police door a couple of months ago because she refused to open the door to give him his cereal. So as soon as she opened the door, he broke the jaw and threw her off the balcony. She don't care. They don't care. All she had to do was open the door. Just that simple. No, so now they said, oh, we're not to fix that. We're going to put these slacks on the door. But we ain't got to ever worry about that happening. You're going to still have to open that door. you got to let that man come out to take a bath. No, no matter how many first team members you bring in here, to, it ain't going to change the fact these dudes, when they want to get at you, they're going to get at you. That's the kind of mindset they got. They don't care. So they just sitting back in the room and they steaming. I mean, they, they just brewing. That's all it is. They're just brewing. It's brewing. Mm -hmm. These young boys ain't got no way to outlet that energy. So what they do, they let it out the best way they know how, through aggression. And see, the people in the world don't know that. <laughs> huh? But when you oppress someone, you don't make their conditions better. Make it worse, and this is what they have to look out for. Because believe me, if something don't happen, it's going to be worse than what it was that brought about this worldwide information being known about what was taking place on these prisons. <laughs> no, um, I'm not talking about the drugs, and I'm not talking about none of that. I'm talking about survival, because they don't have anything else to breed on. They don't have anything else to breathe on. Huh? So it's survival instincts. I mean, huh? if it's 50 cents, so as though your life is worth it, they're going to take it. <laughs> because I want what's mine. I ain't getting it no other way. I got to get that.
And this savage way of thinking can only be changed when you have people that come in that care and is concerned about not just rehabilitation, you know what I mean, but reinstituting the policy, you know what I mean, of humanology. There's no sensitivity training with these officers. Don't look down at me. Look at me. <laughs> so this is the kind of stuff that, you know, that we deal with on a regular basis. This has been KiteLine. Anyone can reach us via our P.O. Box, KiteLine Radio, P.O. Box 2422, Bloomington, Indiana, 47402. We also encourage your feedback. You can email us at KiteLine at WFHB.org. Are you or someone you care about affected by the prison system? You can call us to tell your story or to record a message to a loved one behind bars at 812-269-2512. You can support our efforts and the prisoners we connect with through our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash KiteLine Radio. Or you can subscribe to our podcast via iTunes by searching for KiteLine Radio. KiteLine is intended as a means of communication between people across prison walls. WFHB, its contributors, or any affiliates airing this program are not responsible for the opinions shared on the show. Please join us every Friday at 5.30 p.m. for more stories, news, and insights about the impact of prison on our community. Thank you for listening.